good afternoon. Welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. You know, I'm program host Kip Allen, and Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman. That's the Lutheran who believes but has a lot of questions. In short, the program is designed for someone just like me because there's a lot I don't understand about the faith. It doesn't necessarily have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, a casual front porch style talk with my pastor is often the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest pastor is Andrew Price of St. Paul and Trinity Lutheran Churches in Gutenberg and McGregor, Iowa. Now, I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, now that will be any time, uh, at, uh, excuse me, anywhere, including Metro East at 314-821-0850 or anywhere else in North America, toll free at 800-730-2727. Pastor Price, once again, welcome. Hey, thanks. Uh, it seems like it is. Uh, you mentioned your email. It seems like it's been Pastor Andrew Price month. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Pastor Price, every day, all the day. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a pleasure. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he yeah, has been kind of one of those months, I tell you. I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> the good news is we're now officially in spring. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful right now. We're in... Uh, it's 50 degrees and not a cloud in the sky, and my kids are just running around in the backyard. Although I told them to be quiet because <laughs> I'm on the phone. Um, so, but the only thing that I've realized about spring is that everything's dead, and you're just kind of waiting for it to be alive. I always—that's one thing that I always forget about spring. So it's an yeah. exciting time. Well, the trees are just starting to bud down here, so you're oh, probably wow. a week or two behind us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, well, you guys are in zone five or something like that. There's uh, with the planting. Yeah. So I, I, I remember when I like, I grew up in northern Minnesota, up, uh, uh, you know, East Grand Forks, Minnesota, so just across the Red River from Grand Forks, North Dakota. And when I was in, oh, I think it was sixth, seventh grade, we went down to, we took a trip down to Minneapolis and in, in like, May or April, like late April, and and there were no trees, there were no buds on the trees. And we went down to Minneapolis, and there were, you know, went down south to Minneapolis, you know, five hours south, and there were leaves on the trees, and I was like, wow, it's spring. <laughs> well, I remember, oh, years ago when I was living in Des Moines, um, I was an am a science fiction fan. And okay. there, was a, there was, at that time, a big science fiction convention up in Minneapolis. I think it was called Lunacon. And uh, several friends of mine and I decided, we're going to go to that convention this time. We're going to have a lot of fun. And we drove up from Des Moines to, uh, to uh, Minneapolis. And it was somewhat chilly in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. It was frigid when we hit Minneapolis. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> it's interesting? Just, that is that is exactly what I've experienced too. Living in Iowa, you get up because we're right. Iowa's an interesting kind of climate because it's right on the edge of where it it just starts getting colder, and so you go. It, you know, we're just an hour and a half south of the border of, of the state line, and but it, it's inter- it's really incredible. It seems like once you get into Minnesota, you can really feel a ten. You know, it's like a ten degrees at least. Um, at least you know, at least around the winter time. So, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, hear you. I remember getting up early in the morning during winter in uh, Des Moines, and uh, I'd pick up a Canadian radio station on my car radio, and mm-hmm. they'd be talking about how the high temperature today will be ten below. <laughs> Just, <laughs> oh, gee, made me yeah. appreciate Des Moines. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so well, well, speaking of Iowa and all. Uh, here's a question I've got for you. I've been, I've been, now personally, I have lived everywhere from New York City. In fact, I even lived in Manhattan for about three years, uh, to, uh, living about seven, eight miles outside of, uh, the bustling metropolis of Edgewood, New Mexico. And, uh, that, that happens to have a population of maybe 2,200. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, so I've been, I've been around the block in terms of, of big cities and small cities. Now, you are a pastor. Actually, you're, you, you are a pastor for two separate uh, churches in, in Iowa. Yeah. And McGregor and uh, Gutenberg. And these are fairly rural communities. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering... What it, it's got to be an interesting personage for you, and I'm wondering what are the what are the challenges and what are the rewards of rural of uh, of being a rural pastor? Well, um, I think it, it depends on where you. It probably depends on where you are. You know, because some rural areas are maybe a little bit more populated with Lutherans or Missouri Synod Lutherans, um, and. Uh, and some are, some are closer maybe to bigger cities. Um, ours <laughs> is not close to bigger cities at all, and it is very uh, it is not densely populated with Missouri Synod Lutherans at all. It's very heavily ELCA up here. Although I do have a I have a good friend who's across the river in Prairie du Chien, um, who's a Wisconsin Synod pastor. So he and I have some camaraderie, even though we don't commune together. But uh, sadly, but he's a he's a great guy, and so you just kind of you kind of try to, as far as that fellowship goes, that you know, meeting other like-minded uh, Lutherans, you know, there it's it's a bit more of a challenge. You gotta you really gotta be uh, be willing to go out of your way to reach out to to other people, and you also get to know you get to know uh, you know people who uh, who are who are not. Uh, really they're they're not they don't really have any church but i'm sure you would have that anywhere um but yeah the main thing that for me is is just how scarcely populated it is with uh not only in general but especially with fellow lutherans and like when i was on vicarage i i vicared it in a in a fairly sizable city um it was connected to another city and so combined it was probably you know over probably around three hundred thousand or so and there were lots of Lutherans, and we had lots of friends, and it was it was very easy to uh, you know to, to kind of take for granted the 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 these friends that you can get together with. And then, of course, I was at the seminary, and that's just a haven of Lutheran friends. And then all of a sudden, we end up here, and you know you got your congregation members, um, and of course they're great, and uh, but it's there it's you got to kind of if you want to get together if i want to get together with with especially other pastors you know uh colleagues uh you got to travel <laughs> i uh i got to travel usually about an hour every winkle that i go to that is every circuit meeting so that's kind of you know uh my situation that's not always the case with every with every rural uh uh congregation um but it is for me. Um, I guess another challenge would then with that would be just how, like our two congregations combined uh, have have members from. I counted on my hands uh, once. I think it's fifteen different towns that they all come from, and it's and it's like two different states and a combination of I think like five counties. So it's very spread out. Um, and I think that that's pretty unique for my situation just because, like I said, it's very scarcely populated with, with confessional Lutherans. Um, so, so it's, uh, that is a challenge, um, especially, you know, with, uh, the, you, you'll see kind of a sporadic church attendance, especially at one of my congregations. It'll be, you know, you, you don't, it, it seems that you don't have the same group every Sunday, although you do have that constant of the very faithful who are there every Sunday and you can count, you can always usually count on them. So those are, um, you know, when, when you don't have a, when you don't have, uh, a church that's just in a city, um, you're, 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 you depend a lot upon people coming from other rural towns. Um, so that's, uh, and there's not, so there's not as much a history. Like I think here, there's a much greater history of the Iowa Synod um, and the Norwegian Synod, and most of the Norwegian Synod became ELCA, and pretty much all of the Iowa Synod became ELCA. So, 
it's uh it's a uh you know that's a challenge um and uh, you know people have their roots and things are just they're not the same as they were so many years ago when people just went to church um so that so that's i think that's a that's a general challenge uh, i think another challenge would be this there's have you ever heard of urban sprawl oh yeah yeah so uh there's there's also such a thing as a rural sprawl um and uh here is where i live is more probably more of a retirement town we're right on the mississippi river it's a beautiful beautiful little town but in general there's this this um retreat of small of 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 younger families going to uh moving from small towns and going to the suburbs and you know moving out to the bigger towns and so that's a challenge as well um but i think that the rewards would be it's uh i don't know at least for me it's not as stuffy and busy and all that i mean it's just it we have church just like anyone else we have bible class but we're you know i when when i go to bible class i have like if i have eight people in bible class that's just it's a good crowd but they're all eager you know they're all eager to hear and 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 learn and, and discuss and and I think the longer I'm here, the more I get to know people and and uh, get to know kind of the way that 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 people around here think and and uh, operate. And uh, there's kind of a laid back atmosphere to it all too, which I really like. So, so that's really rewarding. It can be. I mean, I mean, I'm thinking my my congregation where I go to church is very very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even though we are in the St. Louis area, it's. Uh, Excuse me, I got something caught in my throat. <clears throat> uh, even though we are in the St. Louis area, it's a very, very small congregation. I, you know, if we mm-hmm. get twenty-five members at Sunday, it's that's a big, that's a big crowd. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, we're quite small, but the beauty of that is, is that we get to know everybody. I mean, there's yeah. a real sense of fellowship among yeah. the among the people who do attend there. Is your church more inner city, or is it kind of? Like a suburb church? It's suburban, but uh, uh, it's a bit of a rarity in the LCMS. It's it's a majority African American. Okay. Okay. Cool. And uh, as you know, we don't have many African Americans within the Senate, but this is this is a this church has been around for many many years, and uh, it, as I said, the uh, the congregation is is majority African American. The pastor is as well. Uh, That's great. And it's. You know, it's kind of funny because you know when I when I first came back to St. Louis from California, uh, I was looking for where I was going to, which what's going to be my church, and I looked at <clears throat> I looked at a couple of others. I looked at uh, Concordia Lutheran here in uh, in Kirkwood, where I was confirmed, you know, way back in the early sixties. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, I went to service there a couple of times and. You know, it was. <laughs> I, I'd like to say it was like stepping back in time, but it wasn't. I didn't recognize anything. Everything had changed. Hmm. And then I went to uh, another church, uh, which is a very, a very strong church here in the St. Louis area. And I went in there, and there was all these huge you know, masses of people. And I said, "Gee, how how can I get to do fellowship with these people?" And then I went to this 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 church. And I just walked in, and there was such a a welcoming. It was almost like, oh yeah, this is it. I'm home. I, I yeah. don't I don't quite know how to express it otherwise. Yeah, but it's just you know the way that the the congregants dealt with each other, uh, how the pastor was was on really close terms with every one of the of the members there. And yeah, everyone, that's great. It was. It is. And I, I really enjoy it. Plus, he gives one heck of a good sermon. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the most important part, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, that is great. I mean, I, I really do enjoy it. I mean, of course, I, and, I, and I'll preach about this um, often, that the point about growth is that we take from God what he gives, and we rejoice even when he takes away. And, and, uh, and we, we wait on him, and, and it, it, it's, it's a blessing to have a small congregation um, because it teaches us, it teaches us patience, I think, um, and uh, humility. 
uh, and that we are, our goal is not to, you know, it's not like, it's not like a, a field of dreams, you know, <laughs> where if you build it, they will come, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. there's that kind of field of dreams is, is the perfect all American uh, movie uh, because it is exactly the kind of mentality uh, of this kind of industrial uh, industrial mindset, like just build it and then you'll get big. And uh, that, but that's, I really enjoy one thing I really like about both the congregations I serve is that I could tell that when they were building their congregation, they were not building it with these worldly hopes of being this huge, you know, banging congregation. They built it for what they needed, right? They built it. They they just built a, a church um, that was. You can tell that the main that the main thing that was the main concern that they had was confessing and hearing and growing in the gospel. And uh, that it really does. You can see it just in coming in and looking at the, at the, uh, you know, at the altar and, 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 you know, it's simple. It's not, it's not something that you're, you're going to find on a, on a, on a postcard. You know, you look down as you're coming down, uh, down into the valley. You have to come down a hill every time you come to Guttenberg. Um, and same with McGregor. But with Guttenberg, you uh, you look down and you see this beautiful town. And it was actually just voted as like the on some list. I don't know uh, what list, but as the most beautiful town in Iowa. Because uh, and it really is. Uh, it, and you, but you come down, you see that this little town on the Mississippi River and the bluffs. And then you see the Catholic Church steeple, which is really nice, you know. But you don't see our church. <laughs> it's kind of hidden, you know. It's out, it's out, it's right on the river, but it's smaller. And it's, it's, it really, uh, it's that hidden beauty that I think represents that gentle and quiet spirit that's precious in God's sight. And so I just, I, the more I get to know the people here, the more I, the more I, counsel them in, in difficult times and give them the gospel, um, the more I have to put up with with, uh, with certain personalities that maybe I, I got to, uh, you know, bear more with, you know, the, and, and they got to bear more with me. And you learn to do that more and more, the more you love them and more, more, uh, more peace and contentment that you have. And, you know, so it, it really is a great thing to look forward to Sunday morning. Um, and especially for your pastor to look forward to the few people he's going to see, but be happy to preach a sermon to them and encourage them. So, um, you know, that I just had a lady in my congregation the other day. Um, she could tell that I was, you know, struggling with something, um, and uh, that something was bothering me. And she said, so we've been praying for you, you know, like just those little things. It's just so... It it it's such a blessing, and that it makes me never want to leave. So, yeah, I mean, I can't. I I don't know. If words can express how much I love the the people here. You know, they're they're just great people, and they love the gospel, and they love to learn too. It, it you know one one thing I love about Lutheran is that, <laughs> it, it, as I put it a little crassly, they 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 come to church and they get insulted every every Sunday. You know, they hear the law, which which really just insults their sinful flesh. And yet they keep coming because they come for the gospel. And it's really, uh, it's such a great thing. So that's, and that's true wherever, you know, and if, if your goal is to, you know, the Father is looking for people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And if your goal is simply to speak what's right and, 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 and uh, live at peace with all people as much as it depends on you, but to show love and excitement and joy toward those who actually believe God's word and want to learn it. I mean, there's nothing better than that. So, um, to covet something else is sort of like not being satisfied with your wife, you know, and looking at other women who maybe dress a little bit more fancy. Uh, you You should have been in my, my, uh, church out in California. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I wish they all could be California churches. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> California Lutherans, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
So, but you know, yeah, I have heard I've heard more pastors say what you just said about uh, it, they'll, they'll run into a parishioner who will say, you know, why are you talking talking about how I'm a sinner and how I'm I'm a bad person? I'm I'm a good Lutheran. I'm a good Christian. Well, uh. Yeah, you know, this is what it is. You know, I know I'm a sinner. I know I am damned. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm redeemed. Not yeah. through my effort. But And this is the message that, that you know, I, I don't go to church to feel good. I go to church to be grateful. Amen. Very well said. I, I That's a very, that's a, I think I'm going to use that. I mean, I've I've said similar things, but to be grateful, I think you're absolutely right. I and mean, this is what what Paul says in Colossians, you know, mm-hmm. um, when he, he says, and be thankful. And he says it throughout his, 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 uh, his epistles, you know, be thankful. I mean, yeah. and that's not, you can't teach that really. You can't manufacture that. All you can do is teach what God's word says about sin, about the law, about the grace of God, the atonement of Christ, the sacraments, Holy Spirit, all that. And you just, you know, it's it's so funny. Like I'll I will I'll be in Bible class explaining stuff, and I'll try to kind of. And my grandpa used to always say, um, "Doctrine is simple; false doctrine is confusing." Hmm. And so sometimes people think that 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 theology, the true pure theology, like good good uh, uh, pure doctrine, is complicated because they're they're addressing falsehoods. <laughs> but really, what's confusing is. Uh, is is the is the false doctrine, and so but so I will do this in Bible class sometimes and really try to explain, you know what for example what the Roman Catholic Church teaches on justification how we're justified before God, and then there's a lady in my congregation who will always say, I just don't, I, but God's the one who does it all, so I just don't get it, you know what what what's the and so I'm getting into kind of the little intricacies, but for her it's just so simple, and then she'll always say. I just don't know how you can how you can react in any other way than just say thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, because we're talking about like the new obedience and stuff, and I'm explaining like, oh, you know, good works they don't say they don't save you, but they're still necessary because God commands them, and we do them. Um, you know, we we still sin even though we do good works and stuff. And but for her, she's just like, yeah. So you, you're just you're just thankful. But see what she's expressing. <laughs> Is, it's pure and it's true, and she's absolutely right. What she's expressing, though, you, you can't, you you really need to experience it, you know. So, like, you can't just tell someone to be thankful, right? No, you can't. Um, <laughs> so, but you can tell a Christian to because he knows he knows the gospel. Yeah. Well, I've often said. Actually, I, I ran into somebody the other day was saying, "Well, I'm a proud Lutheran," and I said. I'm a humble Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. twice as humble as you. <laughs> Those yeah, things, yeah. yeah right. you, you wish you were as humble as I. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pastor, i got to take a break here, and we'll be back with some more interesting conversation. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. 
Hey, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson with a win-win offer for your congregation or organization. If you will commit to being a church or organization of the week during the Lenten season, uh, just commit during Lent. You can pick any week you want. You're going to receive $200 off the regular price of $850. You win because you're taking advantage of an evangelistic opportunity. Here's what you get for being a church of the week. Inclusion in every hourly 10-second station ID. 35, 32nd primetime announcements. Also, your pastor will be interviewed on one of KFUO's morning programs. It's a tremendous mission outreach. Please call me at 314-996-1520. Who knows how many people will be in heaven as a result of having heard the gospel over worldwide KFUO. I look forward to hearing from you. That's 314-996-1520. Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio. Now you're just acting like a The Nobel Prize has been awarded to men and women distinguished in the fields of physics, chemistry, medicine, and literature. And in its 116-year history, only 49 women have been the recipient. In 1938, Pearl S. Buck, daughter of missionaries in China, won the Nobel Prize in Literature, having earlier been awarded the Pulitzer Prize. One of the most prolific authors of her generation, her novel, The Good Earth, depicting peasant farm life in China, was a worldwide bestseller. Adapted as a major motion picture in 1937, nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture. But in the early 70s, Buck used her literary talent to paraphrase the Bible in 72 major stories of the Bible titled The Story Bible in language understandable for people of all ages. Engage with the Bible with this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Guest pastor today is Pastor Andrew Preuss from two different very rural churches in Iowa. We're talking about the challenges and the rewards of a small-town ministry. And, you know, I think there are challenges and rewards also for the uh, for the parishioners as well. Uh, you know, the, the, the guy who does the music for this program, he's a, a pastor emeritus named Fritz Bowie. And Fritz is, uh, has written, is in the process of writing uh, a quintet called the Diamond Quintet. I've read this for the first book of the five. And it takes place in Perry County, Missouri, which uh, is heavily Lutheran, and but still a very small town. And one of the central characters in this, uh, in this book, and, and Fritz goes into great detail on how he does this. He just comes to loathe. The small town, uh, uh, the small town, and the togetherness, and the everything of the family, and of the Lutherans, and it's 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 a fascinating read. I mean, I couldn't put the book down, uh, but the the description there's this marvelous there's this marvelous uh, paragraph in it where the where the author is describing the community and the the thing, and it's just a beautiful passage. You could just picture it in your mind. What a beautiful countryside this is what wonderful loving caring people they are and then the central character says and this is everything i had grown to hate mm-hmm. oh. and that's yeah, yeah. And that, yeah there's a discontentment then that he's describing there is and you know it, it's it's you know i there are two there are two different ways of looking at these things one one person sees it as heaven the other person is not mm-hmm. uh, and you know you get that both with oh i'm i'm drifting i'm drifting off topic here but uh yeah which i shouldn't do uh but it was like i was saying uh when i was trying to find my home church here when i moved from california uh the smallness was what appealed to me. I walked in there, and there was just this overwhelming, true welcomeness. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that was something I really enjoyed was the smallness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, it's interesting though. There's, I mean, that I agree. I mean, I, I, it's funny how, uh, when I was growing up, the churches that I attended got smaller and smaller and smaller as I got older. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, a uh, little kid, I was, uh, uh, my dad was a pastor in Racine, Wisconsin, at a very old church, and uh, at the time, very large, um, and, uh, you know, had the two services and had parochial school. We went to the school, and and then uh, then we moved. Uh, he got a call to a congregation up in northern Minnesota, and there were, went from, oh, I don't know how many people on a Sunday hundreds of people on a Sunday to just maybe 90. And, uh, and then we, uh, the next congregation he served was actually a, a three point parish and there'd be maybe 20, 25, mm-hmm. 30 in each congregation. And, and then, uh, then I, I got engaged and well, I started dating my wife and I would occasionally visit her, her family. And, you know, even smaller than that, you know, just very small. I went to seminary that my uh, fieldwork congregation was maybe 40 people, but we'd have as few as 20 people, you know, but it was good preaching. And that was what what I have always looked for in a church is, first, good preaching. Oh, yeah. um, and second of all, that they, and this goes along with the good preaching, that they are following a, a liturgy that is orderly, and is uh, that is um, familiar, um, but also most importantly faithful to teaching the the scriptures, um, and uh, is more concerned about teaching the gospel than attracting uh, those uh, you know who would not otherwise come. Um, good hymnody, um, especially I grew up with Lutheran hymns, and so those kind of things. You know, when you when you love those things, and then you find people who love those too. Um, it's even it makes it easier even to overlook some first impressions that maybe aren't so great right there's uh sometimes you can have a bad a bad first impression that happens all the time but but when your love is in the word of god then the holy spirit intercedes and uh breaks down that wall of hostility by the blood of jesus um both the wall of hostility be- that stood between us and god but also then thereby that wall of hostility that stands between us and, and fellow saints. And so that's where you have that contentment, and then you can enjoy the beauty of your, your, little, your little congregation. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but going to the, what you were saying about this kind of growing to loathe these things, I, it's, it's the old phrase, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Um, and, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, which is, of course, not true. Um, and so people become familiar with things, and then they want to move away. And you have many songs, many songs about this. You know, people express this. It reminds me of that Tom Petty song, uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane. He says, uh, I'm, tired of, uh, I'm tired of this town, as he says. You know, uh, he, uh, and, and it's just, there is this is something that I think in rural America has been part of the consciousness of people that there are those who just are they want to they want to kind of spread their wings and fly and go follow their dreams um, but that's really you know it really at the at the core of that becomes a very carnal and self-centered kind of thing and when you can be whether you're in a city or in a small community be content with not only the Christians whom God gives you to uh, to, to 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 confess uh, with, uh, but also also just your neighbors. Like I, I just went to the bank, and uh, and uh, on the way there, I saw a couple guys who I've had conversations with. They're not members of my church, but I I know them, and uh, I talk to them about God's word. And I and one of them has visited once before, but you know it's a long. It, it, it doesn't always happen all at once. Um, I've invited countless numbers of people to church, but you have so many conversations and 
Um, you know, it's a great thing. You know, I go to the bank. Here's another benefit. I go to the bank, and I've been here for uh, going on five years now. It's at the point where I go to the bank, they don't even ask me my name. At first, they'd ask me for my account number, and I said, oh, I don't know it. And they said, oh, okay, it's okay, we'll look it up. And they ask me my name, and I do that. Now, they just I just hand them the check, and they say, oh, hey, Andrew. And they they deposit my check for me. <laughs> and then what I do, what almost every time I go there, I usually find something to talk about with them. They're usually watching the news, and maybe it's CNN or Fox News or the, even the Weather Channel. And I'll look on it, and I'll comment on it, and then I'll somehow talk about Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, one time, actually, the last time I went to the bank, <laughs> I said, uh, that, you know how banks will are, are their, their windows are all tinted? So it kind of looks like they're closed, even when they're open. Um, so I go there, and I, I walk in there, and I say, you know, if this building were a church, it'd be, it, it would it would really uh, uh, be a be a, a, a receive a lot of criticism from from the the church growth experts because it does not seem very welcoming. No, it looks like it's closed. And then I just went on to talk about how, like, then the one lady doesn't go to church very often. She doesn't go to church anymore. And she said, well, I was always intimidated to go to church. And and I said, well, you know, there's something to that. You know, it's not like there is a reverence, you know, that we should have. And, but at the same time, if you, if you know what God is saying and, and, and there's that clear proclamation of the law and the gospel, then, then you're not afraid to go there and enjoy, even, even though, like we said before, you know, you, you get insulted, you're a sinner, but, you know, you know Christ, and you 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 have Christ revealed to you, and the forgiveness of sins that He died for your sins and rose again for you, and that you know the blessings of baptism and communion, and and so I find, and I, maybe this is just my personality, but I love to talk to people, and I, I I I've learned over the years that a conversation should never be self-interested. You know, if I go and I talk to someone and I say, okay, my goal in this conversation is to get this person to come to church. Well, how about your goal is to just talk about Jesus, talk about his word, and then invite him to church. But if he doesn't come to church, well, talk to him again. Be a neighbor. Be, be, be you know, live at peace with him and let the word of God dwell in you richly. And, and I think in a small town when... Um, and I, especially this town that I live in, I, people overall are very welcoming and you can have a conversation with them um and but to not expect to not think that like if we think oh the goal is to get them to come to church that while a noble goal and i certainly ultimate goal is for them to come and gather with the saints i agree with that but that can easily turn into a carnally kind of self-interested uh motive and rather we we should just talk to people talk to our neighbors talk to strangers, talk to friends, and and uh, at least in my experience in a small community, it it has uh, it, it affords a lot of opportunities like that. I think I think you're right. You know, it's one of the things that we as Christians do is our lives, the way we live, is witness. Mm-hmm. And I, I think and, you know, one of my favorite stories is uh, I was talking to a um, uh, some years ago to a uh, missionary who'd been in uh, Indonesia which, as you know, is a Muslim country. And uh, he was there when there was that uh, horrible tsunami that hit them, and I think it was 2004, killed a lot of people. And uh, the Lutherans pitched in with all sorts of relief efforts, as we always do with the disaster area. And uh, the Muslim charities worked as well. But the thing was is that after a while, the things started to die down, and the Lutherans are still there giving out all these these this aid. And a number of the uh, leaders of the uh, Muslim community, some of the imams there, came up to the uh, missionary and said, why are you doing this? Why are you helping our people? You're not, they're not Lutheran. And he said, yeah, but we are. We're Christian. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Maybe he got something to start thinking about Jesus. Yeah, so that now that like the scriptures say, do good to all people, um, and uh, there, and that you're right. I mean, there is what you do is a witness. Now that is if you are also then confessing, right? And so, like he said, you know, 
you 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 ask. I mean, someone asks you a reason. I mean, this is a classic case of someone asking you a reason for the hope that is within you, and you give an answer. You know, as Saint Peter says, you give an answer, and uh, and the answer is going to be Christ. And 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 to know that. I mean, one of the things that that as Lutherans that we should be very thankful for that that uh, that has been uh, preserved among us um, uh, from the, this teaching of the, uh, from the scriptures about the work of the Holy Spirit and the efficacy of God's word that it doesn't depend on you. All you are called to do is to speak, be honest, and be truthful. And sometimes that's going to get you in trouble. And other times you're going to see people rejoice. Um, but uh, but that's something that uh, you know wherever you are, whether it's a small. I mean, really, every community is a small community. I mean, if you live in a big city, you don't know everyone. The people you know at least should be those who you live next to, and those who you go to church with, right? And so there, there's, I think that everyone ultimately lives in a small community. Um, it's uh, even though there might be a lot of other small communities around them that make up a big city. <laughs> yeah, I hear what uh, you mean. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you just, but, but that, to know that your job is not to save the world, your, your, your calling, whether you're a pastor, um, father, mother, you know, child, neighbor, student, worker, um, it's just to confess. And uh, be joyful in doing it, and know that that uh, and, and not be afraid. You know, assume, believe all things, hope all things, right? Bear all things. To know that, and that's why the, the gospel gives you that ability to not be afraid to confess. Just tell people what it is that you believe, um, and be totally confident that it's the truth. And some people are going to call, call you arrogant because you think that you know everything. Well, fine, you know. As long as your conscience is <laughs> grounded on the <laughs> Word of God, then you're, you know, then then, then that's, uh, it's a wonderful life, you know, being a Christian. There's really, it's, uh, there. I almost, you know, I kind of want to write a book someday that is sort of a, a, a mock of these prosperity gospel books that say, oh, your best life now, you know, you can do this and that, and you can do anything you 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 dream of if you're if you just put your faith in action. And I want to write one, just saying, the you know, just basically teaching like, yeah, no, this is your best life. This That's is, right. This is, this is a, the, a wonderful life, no matter what happens. You have the forgiveness of your sins. You have peace with God, and you have peace with other Christians. You actually get a taste of this fellowship, um, even if it's with a few handful of people. So. And that's something I think is the main thing that you find. When, when, before I was a pastor, I had not. I don't. I don't want to say I, I had a hard time necessarily, but I, I didn't quite grasp what John was saying all the time. What Jesus would say about love one another. Um, of course, I agreed. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you're supposed to love people. But when you are in a congregation and you're you're confessing the truth together, whether I'm the one teaching it or other people are, are confessing it, and I'm learning from them too, you you really learn that camaraderie, that true fraternity that exists in the Word of God. And and uh, that is, uh, and, and I, that shouldn't be unique to any particular setting, whether rural or urban, um, but that is the greatest blessing uh, that we have here on earth is... Uh, is the fellow Christians who actually believe God's word and uh, are willing to confess it and to pray for us when they see that we are that we are uh, maybe suffering for confessing it or struggling with it, you know. So, uh, that's one of the things I like about working here at the IC is that everybody we're all believers. We are all Lutheran. We all we are all confessional, and we know that we can depend on one another. I, for example. Uh, a couple, three years ago, I had a, a medical uh, a medical event and uh, was rushed from here to the hospital. And 
while I'm there, I mean, just about the time my wife arrived, suddenly walking down the hill, <laughs> walking down the hall, is Will Wheaton, who's the, the chaplain of the IC. Ah, there you are, yeah. Kip. I'm, you know, <laughs> he had come. He had come all the way from the IC to the hospital to, uh, to comfort me. That's awesome. That's great. It is. You know what's also neat about it all is, uh, and you and I have, I mean, you know, we've had so many conversations, and there are some conversations that we've had that are pretty, like, things that you don't discuss around polite company. No. You know, <laughs> that, that you just, things that are maybe a little bit hard for both of us even to talk about. But what the gospel does is it frees you to be able to talk about these things. You know, to say, hey, maybe I'm wrong in the way I'm thinking about this or that. You know, maybe there's, and we're free to do that. And that's, that is, that is the greatest freedom of all, that our conscience is at ease so that we don't need to hang on to our own pride of being right, but that we can freely discuss God's word and what God says about stuff, knowing that if we, if we find out that maybe we were not quite getting it right, well, Good thing we're saved by grace, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I had a uh, speaking of incidents. I had a, uh, uh, I, I made a, a doctrinal error. I guess is the way to describe it. I was talking, I, w- I was going over some copy that I'd written, and I said something to the effect of, uh, "Well, you have to let Jesus into your heart." And one of the people here took me aside and said, "Uh." Very lovingly, but very definitively, Jesus is already in your heart. You just have to listen to him. Yeah. And <laughs> and just the way how it was done, you know, because, you know, you know, by golly, he's right. And this is doctrine. I was wrong. Yeah, that's awesome. Isn't it? Aren't you thankful that he didn't just say, oh, Kip, he's not a very good theologian. Yeah. You know? Instead, he actually went to you and talked to you. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I think so, too. It was just, just to correct and explain to me how I how I was incorrect and how this was what the gospel meant. Yeah. And, uh, when I was, that reminds me of uh, um, one of the uh, pastor who I've gotten to know really well over the, over the last uh, few years is uh, a guy named Paul Strawn. He's up in Minneapolis, and he, uh, his brother actually is a pastor in Ohio, um, and was my my dad's associate pastor in the scene, so I so I obviously knew him. But 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 uh, Pastor Strong, Pastor Paul Strong. When I was in college, I went up to I went up to uh, this conference in St. St. Cloud, Minnesota, and I was talking to him and complaining to him about what I what I was about Pietism. But I didn't quite understand Pietism. I thought that Pietism was just kind of the fun police. And I was really, he recognized that I was a young college student who was just kind of re- overreacting to pietism because I really just kind of wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to be, have to admit that maybe I do things that are wrong, right? And so I, <laughs> as a defense mechanism, just say, well, that's just legalistic. And, but he was so kind in the way that he, what he did is he said, you know, this, is, this has been a good conversation. I want to give you a book, and I'll give it to you free of charge. And it was a book that was a, uh, it was a paraphrase or a, kind of a, uh, an abridged version of Luther's antinomian disputations, where Luther is, is, uh, is debating people who are saying that the law of God is no longer necessary in the Christian life. And the name of the book, the abridged title, was called Don't Tell Me That. And it showed a picture of a kid you know, who is uh, covering his ears and he doesn't want to hear that he did something wrong. And it, I didn't, I, I, it didn't hit me until maybe a year after or maybe or a couple months or so that, wow, he gave me this because he recognized that I was actually not quite right. You know, I wasn't quite on, you know, I was overreacting. But in a very loving way, he just, he corrected me in a very wise and pastoral way. And and uh, and I'm very, I mean, I'm just eternally thankful to him for doing that because it really did open my eyes to the fact that, yeah, sure, there are people who are legalists and are judgmental and stuff, but at the same time, God's law should be obeyed and that there is, <laughs> and that we still need God's law to bring us to repentance and stuff. And, and it's brought me to a better understanding. Um, and it's, And that's, again, the kind of freedom that we have to, 
engage one another and even correct one another in a spirit of gentleness. And that's acting like a Christian. That's right. Amen. Yeah. And it's uh, it, it, it's a fascinating experience to go through. Like I said, I was relating to the uh, the one who took me aside here and said, eh, "You're not quite right here," and you're. And it was, I felt such a kinship and, and, and so much love that this person was showing me the truth and showing me how it was true. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that was an amazing, I've never been so glad I was wrong in my life if only yeah. become corrected. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I've been, I've been there too. It's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great experience because your because your experience is not merely about you. You're, you're, what's going on is that you're driven outside of yourself to listen to the objective, real truth of God's word, and then that makes you wise, and you learn and you grow from it. Oh, absolutely, and you know this is one of the things. As old as I get, and as often as I go to church, there is, as I say on this show, there's so much I don't understand. And the older I get, the more I realize there are things I don't understand. And the more you realize that, the more you actually do understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I talked, I mentioned uh, Will Whedon the other day, the, 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 uh, the chaplain here who visited me in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> I said to him uh, several months ago exactly what I just said. You know, Will, I don't understand. Why is it that the older I get and the more I read the Bible, the less I understand? And Will looked at me and said... Because it means you're getting wise. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, the fear of God is getting the wisdom. And that's, yeah, he's absolutely right. <laughs> All right, we're coming up to the last minute of the program, Pastor. Uh, any last minute of the thoughts that you want to share? Well, I, I think that the, the main thing to remember, wherever you are, whether it's uh, if you have a small congregation and whether you're a layman or a pastor who kind of wishes that things would be more stable, or maybe your budget is behind, um, take joy in what God has given you. And, you know, it's like, it's like the proverb says, rejoice in the, in the wife of your youth. So rejoice in, in this, in this church and these saints that God's given you, no matter how many or few they are, because they confess the saving truth of Christ. And that's, that is the greatest thing that we can have. It is. And you look at whether the congregation is small or whether it's large, you know, you are there's a, a a true brotherhood of Christianity that we all share, and it is such a beautiful thing when you realize that. Yeah, Pastor, I want to thank you so much for being on the program, and I don't care if we've done it all these times this month. We got to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take care. You've been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. And today's guest pastor was Andrew Preuss. And I want to thank you all for listening. And, hey, let's do it again next Friday. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.